May our prayers come before you, O God, as incense, and may your presence surround and fill us so that in union with all creation, we might sing your praise and your love in our lives. Our reading for this evening comes from the Gospel of John, and I invite you to rise for the reading of the Gospel. The next day, John, the Baptist, again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walked by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is, called, which is translated Peter. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And I have a handout for everyone, but I didn't want to hand it out until this moment because otherwise I figured you'd be looking at it the whole time. But I, so I might just send a few around in different directions. I've said this before, and you'll probably hear me say it each week, but Lent is a time to get back to the basics of discipleship, to return to the source, to return to our identity in the waters of baptism. And since the early church, Lent has been a time of preparation for baptism for those who have not been baptized, and it's a time of baptismal renewal for all Christians. Often on uh, the night before Easter, people would be baptized or there's a reaffirmation of baptism at the Easter vigil. And it's a time when we can uh, return to the Lord as uh, we are reminded each week in our gospel acclamation. Part of what I wanted to share with you tonight uh, is that as we think about getting back to the basics of discipleship, is that I see discipleship as more than a, a head game, more than a thinking thing. I think we, uh, in our time in the West, uh, tend to think of human beings as thinking things, that we need to get the right ideas into our heads, that part of what it means to be a disciple or a Christian is to make sure that we believe the right list of beliefs. 
But discipleship is more than thinking the right things or simply believing with our heads. Uh, One author I like on this topic is the theologian James K. Smith, who writes, Discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his, to want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and crave a world where Jesus is all in all. A vision that's encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. He says that our heart is like a compass, pointing us towards what we think the good life is. And part of the problem in our world is there are competing ideas of what the good life is. You know, is the good life uh, ending up with the most toys at the end of the game? Or is a good life being admired by the most people? Prestige, all those false or counter um, visions of the good life. And so part of what discipleship is, is a process of aligning our heart's compass to point in the same direction as Jesus. And that's why I included in here this quote from St. Augustine, uh, an early father of the church. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And that is uh, echoed by Martin Luther in his large catechism when he explains what it means to follow the first commandment, that you shall have no other gods. He says, whatever you give your heart to, that is your God. And so The process of discipleship, the journey of discipleship, is giving our heart to the right thing, to the kingdom of God. And that's why many churches are kind of learning from the ancient church, from the early church, uh, by trying to make Lent a time of formation again. They call this the catechumenate, which is a big word that means disciple-making process. Um, And one of the churches that uh, I've seen do this is Our Saviors in Minneapolis, where a friend of mine serves as pastor. And she's the one who put together this spiritual journey exercise. And so as we're on this journey of discipleship, um, part of the gift of being in a church is being in a community of people striving for the kingdom, striving for following Christ. And so for these weeks during Lent, Uh, my proposal, and I'm hoping to get more people than just me involved, is to share some stories of our spiritual journey, of our path of discipleship. That I think discipleship is caught more than it is taught. And I think by telling our stories, uh, we might uh, catch the vision of discipleship for one another. So I want you to take a look at this, and it's got some questions for your reflection. And these are just conversation starters, thought provokers. Uh, To look at the different phases in your life, what were some significant life events for you? What spiritual resources did you lean on in those times, whether good or bad? In what ways did you encounter God's presence, love, or call in your life in those times or other times? Who have been your faithful companions? Who have you learned from on your journey? Voices of wisdom and hope. What are some images of God or Bible stories that hold meaning for you? And what questions about God, faith, life do you wonder about? So I'm not going to make you share tonight, but I want you to think about this during the season of Lent. And I thought just by by way of modeling, I wanted to share a story from my life. 
for that first question, I was thinking about significant life events for me and what spiritual resources I, le I leaned upon. Uh, it came up for me recently because I was in a, an ecumenical group and several of the other people in, uh, in the group had changed denominations or had otherwise found their ways into different Christian traditions. And so they were asking me about my spiritual journey because, at least on the face of it, my spiritual journey is kind of boring, right? I was born a Lutheran. And, I <laughs> and so I was sharing, for them, sharing with them uh, some of my moments of struggle um, that I think led me to where I am today. Um, and it's uh, not necessarily being trying to be political by bringing this up, but one of the moments in my life that really impacted me was the, the build-up to the Iraq War. I remember I was in high school at the time, the second Iraq War, and uh, there was this ecumenical Bible study. There were not seven churches in town, so a variety of Christians. And I came into that Bible study, and we were talking about all what we were hearing in the news and, and the build-up to the war. And, uh, uh, and it felt like I was the only one who was against the start of the war. Um, and for me, that was very closely to what I had learned in Sunday school and in confirmation about Jesus being a peacemaker and things like that. And I just felt very uh, alone in that room um, at that time. And I actually felt closer to those people who did not identify with a faith in my school. We, we had this little Amnesty National group because uh, we were raising money for the Brainerd Area Coalition for Peace. Uh, and I felt more affinity with them than with this Bible study that I had been going to for a while. And it was at that time that I kind of started to feel a little bit disillusioned with, um, with Christianity at that time. And I remember uh, uh, going, went on a bus trip to D.C. for one of the big protests with some of my friends from Amundsen International. Uh, and again, just feeling more at home in that group than in my ecumenical Bible study that I had been a part of for a few years. Uh, and actually, my, my story kind of mirrors a lot of people in young adults of my generation, there was kind of an inflection point with the rise of the nuns in our country, nuns being those people who don't identify with, uh, with any faith tradition. And it's, there was a big inflection point around the start of the Iraq War. So I kind of had that, that time of wandering uh, early in my life. And I remember around that time when I went to that protest, my grandpa, my mom's dad, who lived here on the east side of Madison uh, on Anchor Drive, uh, he was a World War II veteran, and I was kind of worried about what he might think of all of what I was doing, this kind of anti-war journey I was on as a veteran. But he called me up, he called me up before uh, I went to D.C., um, and he wanted to reassure me that he was so proud of me for, you know, voicing my opinions, for, uh, for taking advantage of the rights that he had fought for in World War II, uh, he shared some of his reservations about the country being distracted between Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, and it was just a, a very moving moment to hear from my grandpa that he was affirming me in this, in this journey. Fast forward a couple years into college, I was still kind of in this wandering phase where I wasn't really sure what to make of the church of Christianity. Uh, and my grandpa, Bauer, uh, died. And his funeral was at, uh, was at Bethel here in Madison. And what I remember about that was that was another turning point for me. I had this time of being kind of disillusioned with the church, uh, going to his funeral and having a moment of being awash in the spirit in a way that I can hardly describe, uh, and having this, this calling back, uh, back to uh, the stories and the images that had carried me through so much of my life already. 
And it was in that that I started to find a new kind of cohort of people. I, I went to Bible camp, I uh, was a counselor there. I went to Lutheran Volunteer Corps where I found a lot of people who had been on similar spiritual journeys. Uh, and it was in Lutheran Volunteer Corps that I felt my call to seminary. So I just share that as one example of a path of discipleship. I'm sure you each have different moments in your life uh, where you had moments of wondering, moments of, of pain, moments of strife. And I invite you throughout this season to take some of these questions, maybe jot some notes. And if you feel so called, I would love to have someone besides me share a story during these midweek Lenten services. So uh, take this spiritual journey exercise with you. And let's uh, hold fast to the God who loves us and the promises and baptism. And we will sing our, our hymn for tonight, number 445.
The light shines in the darkness. And the, the darkness, darkness is not
God, source and ground of all goodness and life. Give to your people the peace that passes all understanding and the will to live your gospel of mercy and justice through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God, remember us in your love and teach us to pray. Our, our Father, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, your kingdom, kingdom come, your will be done, done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us bless our God.
depart in peace, but feel free to share a sign of peace with those around you as you depart.